What's up, good people? Uh, welcome to another episode of Three Times Dope Podcast, but ain't three of us for two weeks in a row. Uh, it's just two of us, but it's okay though, because I got my girl H here, hey. and we ready to dig in. How you doing? You look rested. Thank you. I, I am rested. I'm doing great. I'm feeling good. It's terrific Tuesday. I'm back in the fold with my brother in community, ready to get yeah. this going. Yeah, terrific Tuesdays. I like it. Not Taco Tuesday, but terrific. No, terrific Tuesday. Okay. What did you do that was terrific today? Yeah. So you said what? I said, did you do something terrific today? Yes, I woke up. (laughs) I know that's right. (laughs) Given these times that we live in right now, man. Hey, waking up is a waking up is a luxury. Hey, shout out to the folks that um in the audience, if you could check in with us, let us know you're here so we can get started. So first thing that I want to talk about, right? Uh, no headlines, no nothing. So, you know, as we cover uh, some issues in, in, the, in, the, in the media, right? We're starting to see a surge of COVID-19 cases and deaths in homeland China. Mm. Right? And so we know that this is where th- this is, you know, Olympics the origin. Of, there, right? You said what? Weren't the Olympics just there? The Olympics were just there. And, you know, we're seeing, uh, uh, you know, so there's a spike there. There's also a spike in the UK now, right? And so, you know, we're coming into stages of feeling like, hey, this thing is over. But it looks like this might be part five or like a, a, a different iteration of, of, of what's about to happen, right? So, like, you know, I guess my question to you is, you know, did we did we come out of this too soon? Yeah, so, I mean, I... It's it's a hard thing to answer, right? Because in so many ways, it feels like we're back and, you know, businesses are open and schools are open and employment is up. And it feels like walking around and having these masks or, or knowing your symptoms or refraining from being in gatherings with other folks feels like what you want to do is getting warmer out. You're feeling good. There's tons of people who haven't had much to celebrate in a long time who are happy and safe and healthy and are coming out of it but it does worry me and it's not that it worries me that we're coming out of it too soon it also worries me that it feels still very much like a gamble like there's not a lot of consistencies from place to place region to region school to school i think one of i know down here um tomorrow they'll be releasing the um the mask mandate it'll be optional and so if i asked one of my good friends who's a teacher well you know have you guys had a conversation with your admin because how do you respond? There'll ultimately be students who don't have a mask, who other students say, put your masks on. And then there'll be students who don't have one that want to say, wait, he doesn't have his mask on, Miss Suchi Suchi. Like, what are we going to do? And so I right. think it's just so inconsistent. I would have loved to see like a standard. Like if your building had this amount of vaccination rate and this mm. amount of cases okay. and none, then you could qualify for first round, which may be relieving okay. masks or something but it just feels like the way that everybody is doing it is so inconsistent that you can't even trust what you think and so you kind of base your decisions on your circles and so if nobody in your circle has been getting sick then you think you can conduct yourselves in a way but that that can be harmful in the long run yeah and so you know it's funny that you should mention that right because uh mass date mass mandates or mass optional was about march 7th for us And so what we saw was we saw an influx of. So here's my theory. My working theory is that kids are smarter than adults. Right. And here's why. Here's why I say that. 
we started our mask mandate, and then next thing you know, it wasn't the kids that were relaxed on coming in with masks on, right? It was the adults. So yes, we right. had adults coming in, and like, no shame in them because it's optional, right? And so, you know, when you say the word optional, you really got to hold that line in terms, you got to toe that line in terms of like what it really is. But for me, like, I'm gonna respect these kids. So, like, I, you know, I, I can't have a conversation with them with their masks on and then me not have my mask on because for me it's like i'm not really respecting you i'm not really respecting your boundaries if i don't step the way that you're stepping right and so for me it was more so like a respecting like hey listen you know you're wearing your mask you're protecting your abuela you're attack you're protecting uh the folks that you love so therefore i gotta respect you and i gotta help you protect the folks that you love because you're continuing to wear your mask and given the fact that it's optional right it's not like you know and these kids are old enough to say hey i don't want to wear a mask or or whatever right and then not be penalized because they're seeing some of their peers that are that are not wearing masks that are not penalized right but they're making the kind conscious effort to say, you know what, based off of what I'm reading, my own independent research as a student, I still want to keep my mask on. Or based off of conversations that I'm having with my family members that I love, I would prefer to keep my mask on. So shout out to these kids for stepping up to the plate yeah. and accepting their responsibilities in society. Like we're we're so hell-bent on on taking kids and, 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 and bastardizing them and making it feel like you know they're not doing what they need to do when many of them are. And the reason why they're not doing what they're supposed to be doing is because we have lowered bars for them right. and, and and we have we have learned to accept the status quo, which I refuse to do. Sure. And so one of the things that we didn't get to talk about last week was uh, was the joy in teaching. Right. Joy in education, which was your topic. So I'm going to put the uh, I'm going <laughs> to put the spotlight on you. And so talk to me about that, like the joys of education. Well, we were talking about it the other day, and sometimes it feels a little bit like we can romanticize um, particular things. Like once you're away from it a little bit, you can kind of romanticize what, you know, what the house was or what the job was or what, what the relationship was. But I thought, you know, with so much that we have seen around um, low morale for teachers, um, tons of folks who are not sure if they're going to return back to the classroom next year, I thought... What if we thought about giving some space for the things that drew us into the profession to start with, the things that mm. keep you going on those days, the spirit weeks. And so one of the things I remember since yesterday was Pi, Die, Pi Day, shout out to all my mm. math and science people. One day when I was the principal um, at my former school, we had like a Pi Day whole week of activities and there were all these numbers all over the place. And the class that got the most math drills right mm. got mm. to throw a pie in my face. <laughs> Yeah, 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 and we had the whole thing set up. We had pie eating contests. All the kids were like, "Do it, do it!" And yeah, yeah, yeah. And just smushed. I had smushed the whole pie in my face. Yeah. Now, at the time, I was like, "Wait, I don't. This might not have been a good idea." But the yeah. joy that was in that, the competition, the way that they were motivated to do that. There are just yeah. so many stories like that. So many fields and and joy that doesn't necessarily come from teaching and learning. Right. There's always that. Right. There's always yeah. the teaching and learning joy when I can see a student move a particular level or get into a school they've tried to apply for or earn a scholarship or notice that their peers are improving. So there's that kind of joy around teaching and learning. But there's also just like some field day fun, right? Some recess yeah. fun, some jump <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. heart. This teacher got more jumps than her than the best fifth grade girl does. Like, and so 
um, it would be great to tell me something that, that you love, like a memory, like that was a lot of joy in that space. Yeah, 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 yeah. You talking to me? No, I'm not yeah, talking, I'm talking to you. This was just this was your segment. I'm not. I'm no, not because I think we need to highlight that. We keep talking about we don't have enough people. Nothing good is happening. There are tons of good stories and lots of joy happening in schools. And if there aren't, then we yeah, need I'll to keep be- talking about that. I don't. I don't see. I don't see none of that. <laughs> I yeah, see. <laughs> there's a heart behind you of some student made work that says, "Uh, there's some joy that you have had." Yeah. No. 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 I'm not talking about. I'm not. So I don't. I. I've never seen like a lack of joy. And so when y'all when y'all are having conversations and we're hearing these folks that are talking about massive teacher exodus and like all this i don't see that stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> teachers want to come work for us so like i don't i don't i'm i'm in a fortunate position to where like i'm yeah. not really worried about that per se and you know whatever teachers we lo- whatever teachers we lose like i feel like we are in a good place to replace the teachers that we lose and 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 be just as good I, so here's here's what i here's what i'm gonna say about this right you're a football fan right yeah and so you remember, like, you know, Tom Brady didn't have a lot of talent necessarily in uh, in New England, right? Yeah. He had folks that, you know, were able to come in and do their job, right? That's what well, Bill Belichick says all the time. Do your job, right? And so for me, the way that our system is set up at Riverhead Charter School is that if we get folks that could come in and do their job, the system will sustain. And we will continually outperform the local district. We will continually outperform the districts around us. No matter who those people are that are in those spaces, just do your job. That's it. The system will work. We will hold kids to a high standard of learning. We will uh, we will engage parents because that's what the system does, right? The system does that. You just need to get players in that system that afford you the opportunity to do the things that you need to do in order for your kids to be great. And yeah. you got to like kids, right? Like we got people that are coming into these classrooms that they don't even like kids. And and we don't we don't talk about that, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, this is just a this is just a, a job for me. Like yeah, teaching can't just be a job. That's Teaching right. has to be a career. It has to be like a you have to have career aspirations in terms of going into teaching. If you don't, then you don't need to be there. You need to allow for folks to come in and and do what they need to do in order to to, to make change uh, in education. You can't. Yeah. You but there's, there's also a lot of administrators who don't like teachers. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's a lot of teachers who there's a lot of people who are serving in these capacities. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. It, doesn't, it doesn't it doesn't just stop at the it doesn't yeah, stop it doesn't at just the, stop at the teacher. I think your your point about a strong system is matters much more because a system is what we know these institutions are built on. So we have to ask ourselves if you guys can get it right, right? You you don't you're not worried about shortages. When you hear people morale is all you're like you not us like the right stepping on my feet, so I'm not going to say ouch. What is it that we need to see other districts do, right? Because you've sent an article today. One of our topics today is about money and how yes. much these budgets are going to be for schools across the country. As no, now, you know what? Let's let's dig well, in, it's right? Not, it's not money. <laughs> what is it that let's, makes the difference? Let's dig in here because this is this is what triggered me. This gaslit me. Oh, <laughs> uh, so. So here we have it, right? And 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 so for folks that are listening, right? I, I kind of, so I kind of have like a standing, a, a, a standing situation with um, with the, the the local school district, well, my local school district, right? So we're talking shop right now, and so you know, one of the things that I've said to them is that you know I won't publicly come after you, 
um, if we can like settle some of these things like behind closed doors, because it doesn't make any sense for folks to feel like, you know, the district and the charter school cannot get along, right? But here it is. We have an article from the Riverhead Local, right? And it's sort of like gaslighting me to want to respond to this foolishness, right? And so, you know, what what you'll see is, as always, you know, you'll see um, folks that are talking about, oh, you know, the, the district can't perform the way that it needs to perform because, you know, the charter school, right? Charter school enrollment and you know, but but here's the here's the question that they're not answering, sis. Why why are these parents why do these parents want to come to the charter school? Why do we never talk about that? Right? Why can't we ever have a conversation about why parents are making the choices that they're making in terms of uh where they choose to send their kids for their education? Why is that never the headline? Right. Well, I don't think it's the headline because I think it's it's just a distraction, right? When we talk about accountability and we talked about this in the other day and there's like this difference between like collective responsibility and like individual accountability, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so if they begin to say, let's take a look at all of the districts and all of these students and all of the data and these yep. particular ones keep performing and these other ones don't, then that must be a function of something that we're doing. So if we continue to say it's them, it's them, villainize those districts, villainize the work that they're doing, then they won't talk about us, about how schools really haven't improved for, for almost anybody in 100 years, right? Of and course. so and here's the thing, too. While we have these pockets of success, like your districts and other districts and charters and even public schools that are working, the problem yeah. isn't that we have these pockets of success. The problem is we haven't been able to create a system or a movement where all of them are going about the best practices. If we know that the best practices are making a difference in schools, then why don't those in charge just say, this is something that we have seen work for all kids. All kids deserve to have something that allows them to have the kinds of successful futures that they want for themselves and do something like that. What, what, why? So, let me, let me, I, so I'm, I'm going to go through it, right? Cause I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it today. And so, and so, ah, oh, man, like, <laughs> But you know why, right? But that's the thing, right? You know why it is because they don't want schools to be successful. Okay, so but, but here, here's the here, here's the here's the thing for me, right? Because like a lot of people, they don't really know insider. So like the insider trading things that happen between like schools and school districts, right? So like a lot of parents that are on the outside looking in, they don't really know like how the game is being played, right? Mm-hmm. And so you know this district that I said that I wouldn't talk about, they play dirty, right? Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, give you certain examples of how they play dirty. Mid-COVID, I had a principal leave middle of the night, right? And then the next thing you know, this person is a employee in the district. You had to know that this person worked at yeah. the River Charter School. She, was the, she or he was the principal of the school, right. right? And so new superintendent comes in. I'm like, you know what? We're starting over here. You know, you're coming in from upstate New York. I grew up in upstate New York and whatnot, you know, so it's, 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 it's a way to just start clean, start fresh or whatever. But then you start to see the same funny things happening, right? So over the February break, I get a resignation letter, same day, right? Similar to the year before, same day resignation letter, right? So I'm like, you know what? You know, this ain't going to really hurt us as much as losing a principal, but still it's the, it's the, it's the, Sure. It's, it's the it's the it's the principles 
of, of, of the situation, right? Like you gotta be high character if you're in education or whatever, right? And so funny enough, shoot an email, like, hey, you know, then you know, email responses, you know, I didn't know we're gonna keep an eye on this or whatever, right? Like, at least have a person put in notice, right? Yes, yes, the district two years in a row have come in and took what they felt like was the Tom Brady of my organization. I mean, you right? keep talking about how you got the systems and you got all the people and you don't need this. I'm a star poacher, folks. I'm a poacher from your school, too. Like, why wouldn't you? You got this. But, 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 sis, but sis, here's the thing, though, right? Like, I look at this situation. I don't look at it as a bad thing, right? If you look at it, like, writ large, like, of course... In the in the in the midst of it, you're looking at it like, damn man, this is bad. Like, how how are you gonna come in? You gonna do this or whatever? But then when you when you unfocus the lens, right, and then refocus the lens, and you home back in, you're like, hey, if I'm a district and I'm not doing well, then hell yeah, I'm gonna go steal people from the charter school because I want to do better, right? And so I'm looking at it less of as an insult and more of like a compliment. Because you're coming to get folks that I trained and you're stealing them in the middle of the night, giving them the bad, doing whatever you got to do in order for them to come and now change your change what's happening in your in your district to make it be more competitive. Right. And so I'm a competitor. And so for me, I look at this like this is the moment of truth, because now this really shows you. Right. If you can still get to the playoffs, you can still win championships with different pieces of the puzzle. Right. And we've only gotten better and we're only going to get better. So <laughs> as much as you come in and you take employees and you do all these other things and whatnot, you got to live with not giving in your notice. You got to live with the fact that, oh, I love these kids. I love these kids. Then when somebody throws a bag at you, the next thing you know, boom, you out. Right. right. Without even saying goodbye to the kids that you love so much. Right. You got to live with that. My conscience is clear because I know at the end of the day, when I decide to leave or if I decide to leave, I'm leaving the right way. Yeah. And the grass is never greener on the other side of education because you're always going to be able to find problems in any organization that you work in. Right. Every organization, every organization that you work for is going to have a problem. It's about how you address the problem as an employee in that system. Right. I mean, you if that's the case, you kind of are like the Belichick, right? Like you're planting these little seeds all over. And you know me with the optimism way. Of if course. there are folks who have spent time working in your building and your structures with, with your people and they go on to other things, then perhaps they can raise the bar for some of the other areas and then you've got these little seeds. Absolutely. That's, that's my hope. That's my that's hope. Just, but we do have that's to realize hope. that there are a lot of things that happen like that that don't really feel integrous. And so I think a lot of people think about how many central office districts employees didn't have to come in and there are teacher shortages and they're working from home and teachers are working in person. And so when you have that kind of stuff, when you have central office that takes student or take teachers and don't tell you when you have schools, like we've talked about it before, there are schools who are um, less likely to maintain a, dis a disruptive student after a count day. You know, there, there are all kinds of these individual things that happen. Right. But I think, on the large scale, we have to just do a better job of thinking about where is the thing that we can change and being well, a, so more this is, Go ahead. Look at this question right here. The question right here is, does the district check references? Man, this, the, during these times, nobody yeah. cares about references nobody anymore. Nobody cares about references. They should. Yeah, nobody and cares about references. As long as, always work. They're supposed as long to have as they can pull, as, long, as long as they can pull your cert, 
from uh from from uh from NYSET or whatever system you're in and it doesn't red flag in terms of like you know if this person is allowed to work around kids ain't nobody even checking references no more yeah. i think i might be the only person in education that checks references <laughs> somebody else do they call me all the time so they think <laughs> but hey i'm not letting them off the hook we're going back in so so um so so the the moral behind this is that you know the district when when districts uh have a shortfall in in money right they now have to blame someone in terms of like why there's a shortage in funds or whatever right and so if you're in a district that has a charter school usually the charter school becomes the culprit right so you hear the argument of oh they're siphoning money oh they they cherry pick their kids and like all these things that the unions uh, the union talking points right but it just so happens that my school is a unionized charter school and so yes yes so when y'all throw rocks at these at these glass houses or whatever, like you're throwing rocks at your colleagues, right? These are all individuals that belong to the same union as you. They pay the same dues as you, right? But yet and still, since they're down the street at the charter school, we can just get ahead and just throw stones and do whatever it is that we, we want to do without acknowledging the fact that, hey, we all are in the same, we're all on the same team in terms of everybody being in the same union, right? Then... They, they so oh so the charter school is going to take 53 additional kids and that's the reason why we have to uh up up the salaries of that's the reason why we have to uh up the yeah. per pupil count and we have to up the taxes and we have to up all these the two new points. classes of kids that have been created because 53 kids is about two classes of kids right it's two classes of kids right okay. it's whole different, yeah but here but here's the thing though sis like it's 52 kids, but it could be 150 kids if I was a jerk, right? <laughs> because it's not like I don't have the applications on file yeah. from this district to be able to say, you know what? I'm not going to have any wait lists. I'm, I'm going to take, take everybody who wanted- I'm going to take everybody who applies. And if I did that, right? If I was that kind of guy, you bankrupt the public school. You district. would really have some problems. And since <laughs> if I had the space right now to do it, mm. this is when I would press the button, right? In order to make it happen, right? But I'm not that kind of guy. I'm not about getting even or any. I just want to educate kids and be left alone. I just want yeah. my. I just want and my then, school. And I think I think you want to educate kids. You want to be left alone, but you also want to have those high standards and better choices for every kid, whether you know them or not. For of sure. course, of course, for of sure. course, of course, of course. That goes without saying. But I also want to say that I want to be left alone, and I don't want my school to be uh, triggering um, uh, Google uh, alerts or whatever because the Riverhead Charter <laughs> School, who did nothing to anybody, is now in an article. Uh, uh, accused of spending money from trying, a district yeah. that we're not even like you know because like I said to them before, we're not going to take any any high schoolers, right? We're going to grow our high school organically through the system, right? And that is how we're going to build our high school. Sis, can I tell you that I have a waiting list of ninth graders, tenth graders, and eleventh graders trying to get out of systems right now? Yeah. Can I tell you that I have a wait list of fifth graders right now, like a whole class of fifth graders that don't want to go into a particular middle school right now, right? 
but yet you're sitting there, you're counting this number at 53 and you're not trying to fix the problem. Because yeah. at the end of the day, the only reason why folks want to come to our school is because they are not okay with the status quo, right? They're not okay with what these districts yeah. are doing. And so if you provide them with an option for them to be able to say, you know what? Yeah, you know, I'm just going to put my kid, I think my kid has a better shot in this other school. Then at some point, you have to start looking at the system that you're in and the work that you're doing and asking parents why. Yeah, but I think it's it's that and it also is we have to have folks who are writing and telling stories and understanding the context of the way these decisions are made, right? So when this says 53 students, someone may read that and think that's a lot of kids. That's so many kids. Really Someone with an education background, oh, you mean that's two classrooms, right? And so we also have hmm. to be thoughtful about how folks are writing and portraying the story. Course, and this is why it's important for folks to get educated. They should be listening to their district town halls. They should be going yeah. to school board meetings. They should be logging on to Zoom. Even if they don't understand what the decisions are or who the players are, we have a responsibility to make sure folks are informed because that's the only way that we're going to not only get to the root of what some of the problems are and make improvements and large improvements, district and system-wide improvements. But we also are going to be able to hold folks more accountable to the things that they say. And, and this is how you get gaslit. This is how people talk incorrectly about- Of course. Uh, CRT in schools or teacher morale <laughs> or all of the banning books, all of the yep. things, because we allow them to create this narrative and this story that is not correct. And they, it's being spread to folks who aren't informed. We got to do better. Yeah. But, but here's the thing. We're going to stick here for a second, right? Because I'm about, I'm about to give you some more game in terms of like where this money is going, right? Because they don't want to talk about this. They never want to talk about where the money is really going, right? And so we're going to do that today because I'm probably going to cut this clip and then, uh, and, 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 uh, and, and give it to, um, and give it to our parents. Um, so, um, damn, do I have, uh, okay. So, no we have this all right so so here here's here's what happened right let's just talk about what happened so a couple years back right before this previous superintendent came a superintendent uh ended up leaving the district for whatever reason right so the superintendent ended up leaving the school district for whatever reason that whole year her her salary was paid to her right so you had over two hundred thousand dollars that was paid to a, a superintendent that was no longer there Right. Then the following year, something happened to an associate superintendent all in the district. Right. Same district. And another two hundred thousand dollars was then spent on that person's salary for the remainder of the year. So if you mash up benefits or whatever, you got over a half a million dollars. Right. That, no longer in the district or for two people that are for two people that are no longer in the district. But yeah, you come in and you and you 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 taking your you taking big air swings and, and right hooks and whatnot at the Riverhead Charter School, like like we're part of, 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 of the two people that are no longer in the district that cost you a half a million dollars. Right. Right. But nobody's talking about that. Nobody's asking those questions. Nobody's doing those four requests. Nobody, you know, but like it's easy to just just throw something on the wall and just be like, hey, then you know, all this must be the charter school. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so it's it's annoying. Right. And please uh, thank please and thank you for allowing me to vent about this. 
But like, you know, it it it, it puts you in a in a weird predicament because it's just like, damn, like all we want to do is, is educate our kids. Like all charter school leaders want to do is come in and do the job of educating their kids. They don't want to have to go through these battles or whatever with uh with, with districts about funding, about busing, about any of these other things and whatnot, just give our kids what, what they what they need. That's it, yeah. right? Just give our kids the same things that they would be receiving if they were in your schools, and we're good. We're good, but like, but as it stands, like people and people don't understand this. Understand this either. They put overhead on each child, right? And so when they when you when you choose to to select to uh put your kids in a charter school, all that money is not even coming with them. Right. And the additional the additional capital that that school districts in New York can uh can now put on taxpayers, that money doesn't come either. Right? That money stays in the in, in the district, but that's not things they put in those articles, right? They don't put yeah. that in those articles, right? But they, they don't use put that. those. But they do that because those kinds of things are triggering, right? They're going to put in things about salary, about money, about positions, about the number of students, because they know that that's going to get folks distracted. It's almost like yelling fire. Like if we get them so riled up about this thing, then they won't focus on this other thing. That's the root issue. That's the root. But I I don't want to focus on any of that. I want to focus on apples to apples. Let's talk about how your kids are performing in the third grade. Let's talk about how your kids are performing in all the grades. And let's compare apples to apples, right? And even in doing so, even though I don't have as much funding as you have, I know my kids are going to outperform you. You know why? Because we have a higher bar and we have a system, a winning system, right? Belichick system. Where's your book at, by the way? Where's your book? Rare check. Rare check. It's rare check, rare check system. <laughs> hey, and, and so and, and I want and, and I want to I want to say one more thing. I want the screen. If you were a previous administrator at the Riverhead Charter School, and the only place you trained to be an administrator is the Riverhead Charter School, and you go and you get a job elsewhere, regardless of you hate the Riverhead Charter School or not, the only training that you got in order to prepare you for the job that you received, the job that the Lord made willing for you to have was the training that was provided to you by the Riverhead Charter School. And so you too fall under the Belichick tree of coaching. That's it. That's it. Drop the mic. Wait a minute. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about something else. You know. So let's talk about um health as well. Because I know you always want to talk about that. Health as well. Yes. So health. I'll start it off, right? So I'm not a big I'm not a big dentist goer, right? Oh. Yeah. And so and so, you know, I, I grew up. The way that I grew up, I had uh, we had I had welfare, which was better was was better on the uh, I had Medicaid uh, down south, right? Which was one of the Cadillac, kind of like a a Cadillac of of ways to be able to get seen for cheap or whatever by the same doctors that folks that had healthcare or uh, got seen by, right? And so, but I didn't have folks that were bringing me to the doc. I didn't have relatives that were bringing me to the doctor, getting those regular checkups or whatever, bringing me to get dental visits and like any of those other things or whatever as I was growing up. 
uh, for whatever reasons, right? Life or their schedules or whatever, you know, it, it's just it's just different down south, right? So it's kind of like, you know, if you're not in school, you know, you, you're out at the crack of dawn, you're back by the end of the day or whatever, just running around and just whatever. So it's not really in my town. And so, um, you know, one of those things that, you know, I didn't, I rarely got to do was to go to the dentist, right? And so you got these kids, I'm like, man, I go to the dollar store, get candy, do all, all this other stuff when I eat all this bad stuff that I had no business eating. And then only uh, when there was an emergency was there like, all right, you got to go to the dentist, right? So it was no like preactive stuff or whatever, no, no proactive stuff. It was, it was more like reactive, reactive dentistry, reactive mm-hmm. medicine care and like all this other stuff, right? So... My goal as a parent was to make sure that my kids regularly go to the doctor, go to the dentist, whatever, right? I don't care about me. My teeth could fall out. I'm good. I've lived my life. <laughs> but I want my kids to be able to smile and, 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 and be great, right? <laughs> so I went to the dentist on Saturday, right? And the dentist told me everything that I needed to know. It was like, well, how long have you been not been to the dentist? I was truthful. I was like, you know, I've been several years, right? And so they was like, well, what's going on? You don't like dentists? I'm like, nah, I don't particularly care for you guys. Say, <laughs> like, well, you know, you look like you're doing pretty good. I mean, shit, I think I could have been a dentist. I was like, <laughs> I, I wanted to lie and be like, yo, I make my own toothpaste. <laughs> I I, uh, I feel my own feelings. Like I wanted to say all these things. That like my I own floss in the science classroom. I go outside. I, I get tree bark. I bite into <laughs> bark. <laughs> but I say this to say that you know, even though uh, through the years I have not been committed to going to the dentist. Now that every six months, henceforth, I'm going to the dentist because it's the right <laughs> thing to do. So, folks, if you out here. You know, make sure that, you know, you're going to the dentist because, you know, your dental health affects your digestive health, right? Yeah. So if you're not going to the dentist regularly, then at the end of the day, it's going to affect how you digest things or whatever. And like, you know, all this other stuff. Yeah, I think your health is your wealth. And I, I didn't think that you were taking it there. But I, I think, you know, with the, the passing of uh, Sister Tracy Braxton this week, Mm. And thinking about how both its access to quality healthcare and services and it's removing like this negative stigma or this like we don't really know about that. And we also have to kind of address a lot of the things we do around like home remedies in our community. Oh, you fine. Just put a little put a little Vicks on it or, you know, do this. But it, it does make me wonder, you know, what is the impact when we are not um proactive about getting referrals, about seeing a doctor immediately, about demanding answers, about asking the kind of questions that we need to ask, about tracking the kind of data. You know, a lot of us don't talk about health and the history of health and the things that we do in our communities and in our families. And so a lot of times when you go for your um, intake and they say, well, what's the history of your family? Is there a history of this? Is there a history of that? Like, I think one of the ways that we get to this health is wealth. And it is about using those services, right? It's about Mm -hmm. keeping your annuals, making sure you ask for referrals. It's not about playing doctor yourself and like going to MedStar to Google what's wrong with you and gargling with a little salt water and saying that you can get back up and go. Ginger 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 Ginger
Um, but we do have to create spaces where folks can talk about things, where they can talk about screenings, where they can talk about their experience in that. Because a lot of times you don't know, you go into the doctor and if they do something, you assume they're the professional, I guess this is how it's supposed to be. We need to create more spaces, um, especially for for young Black people um, yes. to talk about those things and to be intentional and to give them some strategies. I remember there was a campaign maybe a year or so ago that provided some questions about how you, things you should be asking when you go to the doctor. Mm -hmm. Like, don't let them just come in and say, how are you feeling? You feeling okay? All right, I'm gone. But like mm -hmm. being really specific about things that you are asking them about the medicines they prescribed, about what things that they recommend for you and being, you know, really taking on that ownership. So yeah. yes, I definitely think that health is wealth. And, you know, we're ending, we're March now, and it's about that time where a lot of folks who may have made, um, health commitments as a part of their New Year's resolution, you, mm -hmm. it, it can be a time to restart if that's something that you want to do and to take advantage of this extra hour of sunshine. Um, oh, and there's no extra... So, you know, this dumbass... Marco Did you see Rubio, that voted for it? Sun Marco, Marco Rubio. Dumbass. That's your boy. Um, that's not my boy. It's <laughs> not my boy at all. I can't wait for Val. I can't. I cannot. I wish I was a. I wish I had part-time Florida residency because I would. I would fly down there so fast and vote for Val Demings. You. You kidding me? Like I cannot wait for this joker to get out of office. Yeah. Right. Like I. I. I, I wish. Listen. They can control the Senate as long as as long as uh that dumbass is no longer there. <laughs> right. As long as uh we eventually eventually Ted Cruz gets the hell out of Congress. And uh, and uh, Josh, whatever his name is, uh, over in Missouri, and and, and and coming back around to um, to uh, dumbass Tim Scott. If we can get them four people out of Congress, I don't care who runs Congress. I just know that I would I would hear less dumbness. Oh, and Rand Paul. Yeah, uh, and, then, touch, and right? let's not replace them with somebody who's just going to regurgitate the same foolishness. That's it's absolutely mayhem. Yeah, absolutely. So so. So, which takes us to uh, current war in in Ukraine. Listen, you you can whatever optics we have, whatever challenges we may have in terms of like the racism that we see across the borders in Europe, right? The one thing that we can all agree on is that Putin is the aggressor here. He's wrong. He's uh, he's he's killing civilians. These are war crimes that are occurring right now in 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 front of our eyes, right? We're seeing. A, a modern day crisis in terms yeah. of like war crimes that are being committed by this guy. That's that's a given. That's unrefuted. It will go down in history, and folks that are uh, that are that are not Russian will all see it the same way, and the majority of them see it that way too. You have you have a, a, a you have a person that is now taking away state media, right? If you say anything against what Russia is doing in Russia, it is illegal you will be put in jail for years right and so anytime when you're running a government that way it's important for us to capture these things so that when we teach it people can see it and yeah. so that brings us to history in the united states it's like we can't teach history based off of one person or one set of people feeling good about the history that you're teaching right you have to teach history in a way that's truthful because if you're teaching it in a way that's truthful, then a lot of things that occurred in the past won't occur in the future. Sure. And I think that, you know, it it's also it's not just about teaching it in a way that's truthful. Right. Because one person's truth can be another person's like false. Okay. And that that's didn't fair. happen. But yep. I do think that if the goal of school is to create young people who are curious, 
who understand how to ask questions, who recognize, I mean, we teach point of view in like the first grade. One of the first things we teach is point of view, right? We yeah. always use that three, um, Goldilocks and the three little pigs, and then the other one about the true story of the wolf, right? Now, yeah. you, you use this as a way to help develop empathy, to help people understand that there's another way to see it. We talk about that all the time. The glass is half full, the glass is half empty. What we need to do is we need to be thinking about how we are designing curriculum and what is the intent. And if the yeah. intent of the curriculum for history is to just socialize people to believe one thing, then, then that might become problematic. I think we also need to take, you know, some more responsibility. We need, we need more black and brown people writing textbooks, developing curriculums. I've pushed a lot of my former teachers, you know, a lot of times when they would have new units or new things for social studies and science, they'd have a lot of that after school or during the summer when they weren't available. And I'm like, you're sick of doing the same unit. You need to be holding the people who are doing it accountable. You need to be creating a schedule so that you can contribute to that. We need more folks who are writing and taking ownership and reading and engaging themselves in a deeper learning so that when they get in the classrooms, they can model that for young people. I think we put too much on curriculum and forget that curriculum is just a guide. It's a recommended guide. That the things that should be happening in the classroom should reflect yeah. standards and the goals, but it's just a guide. And if I don't know how to think critically, if I don't know how to check my facts, if I don't know how to let children practice using their voice, then we we, meet, we need not have those classes because it doesn't make any sense. Okay, so that, that leads us into our next, uh, our next conversation. Teacher coaching cycles, right? And so, and so, you're 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 a former principal. I feel like once you're a principal, you're always a principal, right? Okay. So, like, how did you approach the work in terms of uh, in terms of like you know making sure that your teachers were were, were properly coached and developed? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the first thing you have to do, um, and that's Shakur, who is now part of the the podcast. His name is Tupac Shakur. <laughs> Tupac Shakur, I love it very interested in this conversation about teacher coaching. So I think the first thing as a principal you got to do is you got to make sure you understand what high quality teaching and learning looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you have to have a common definition of that. You need to also have coaches and folks who are on your team who are content specialists and also understand what good teaching looks like. And I don't mean like good math instruction looks this way. Shakur, excuse me for a second. He needs a coaching cycle. Um, I think we also need to have the ways that we are thinking about who we're putting in leadership positions in our schools so that they both understand what high quality instruction looks like and what good engagement looks like and what content looks like. I think we also let's stay there for a second, right? Okay. So if you are a school leader, right, or, 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 or someone that's becoming a school leader, and you are not sure if you have the capabilities to be the instructional leader of your school, then that means that you need to open yourself up to hiring folks that yes. are able to do those types of things. All right, back on you. 100%. You, if you can't be honest about what you do and don't know, then you might as well forget it, right? And I think yeah. you need that group of people who are experts to also talk about what high quality instruction looks like across the board. So it isn't just what a high quality fifth grade math lesson looks like. What are the same practices we see in the pre-K classroom doing stations? What is the same high quality language that we hear in the music and art class that can transfer to this pre-K morning circle, right? We got to think about the ways it goes all together. Okay. Special areas, right? And so special areas can make or break a school. 
Sure. Right? And the, re the, re the reason the reason being is because those teachers need to be held to the same high esteem as you hold uh, teachers that are in a, in, in a in a in a testing area. Right. Reason being is because instruction doesn't taper off when you send your kids to a special. Right. Yeah. But in a lot of schools, these special teachers are not held to a high standard. And so therefore, it's kind of like a break for the class for the, for, for the classroom teacher. And I think that that can break a school. Thoughts? Yeah, I think the other thing is that we have to remember that they are instructors too, and they deserve high quality feedback. They deserve high quality planning time. They deserve to have responsibility to know what the units are and to support those units. If we have yeah. a fourth grade unit on a country and one of the articles is about music, the music teacher should know that so that they can bring that in. This is how we, like, we have to break up the way that school is just like, once I'm out of reading class, I don't read anymore. Or once yeah. I'm out of math, I don't think about numbers anymore. Like, that's not true. Every single lesson, all of the coaching, all of the observations, because as an instructional leader, you're supposed to also be paying attention to how you can grow and develop your team. What are the strategies that are working? We had amazing special teachers who were very good at transitions at the first five and the last five minutes. Now, what yeah. we know is that that may not necessarily be a content thing, but if we yeah. could help content teachers learn from the best practices about transitions that were happening with the special teachers, then we could increase instructional time. But you know, but you, but you know what though? They had to be that way, right? Because because if if, if they weren't in terms of like those transitions and stuff, the first person that was going to be thrown under the bus was going to be those special teachers, right? So like if anything right. came back, if anything came back from, oh, well, why are my kids not progressing in the way that they need to progress? Well, yeah. it's because the special area teacher doesn't get, get them back to me on time. Yeah, but you know, one thing we did, we also included our special teachers in data conversations. Of course, but but but, but see, hold, wait, whoa, whoa. See, that's important, right? And including everybody in these types of conversations is important. But- you also have to have real talk with, with, with your special area teachers too for them to understand that you are a part of this conversation. Even if you don't think that this is relevant relative to you, it is relative to you because Absolutely. many of them will try to skirt out of professional development talking about, well, this is relevant to my subject matter. The hell is not. How, yeah. how, how does a teacher, how, how does a, how does a student learning at a high level not relate to you in your classroom? Like, are you kidding me? Well, because your subject matter is kids. That's the subject matter. That's no yes. different than a, math, than a math teacher saying, well, I'm not going to the SEL PD because that doesn't relate to me. Sure it does. Because yeah. your subject matter is kids. I don't care if you're the librarian. We would often have an extra table in the back for our custodians. You know why? Because y'all hey, Listen. And if we are all practicing this, I hear you say language in order to create an environment where everybody understands it, I need those people who are also having a lot of conversations with students to understand what, what it is we're trying to do. I got front office staff in PD. Why? Because if you if you're if you're bilingual and you're having conversations with if you're having conversations that are content rich with parents in another language, then you need to know exactly what's going on so that sure. you can have an informed conversation with these parents, right? So like you know, that all that also, stuff is essential. But that also, what is that? What message does that send to the custodians, to the office staff, to the other people? It sends a message that you matter to the success of course. Of Every year, listen, we can't. I'm thinking about you when I buy a book. We're doing a book study. We're all reading this book. Guess what? I bought one for every single person. The cafeteria, everybody get a book. Because this hey. is how we are creating our school identity and the things that are important Absolutely. to the world. 100%. Hey, but H, listen, 
my uh my my soliloquy about about leadership in the in the in the red check tree it don't just stop at it don't just stop at the at the leaders that leave and go find other leadership jobs it's the custodians too if you're a custodian at my school we teach you how to be a custodian so you can go out in in, in free agency that's right. get whatever get get whatever job you need to get whatever in custodian in the custodial area everything is a teach everything is a teach moment and yeah. everything is everything is do your job <laughs> Yeah. just do your job yeah. so and I don't want to you know and I mean we did that but you know God on many days it was hard mm-hmm. never felt like we had enough time mm-hmm. it was always like you know every year God bless my leadership team we would have to like go back and forth about the master schedule because we wanted the special mm-hmm. teachers to have a common plan in time too and yeah. we wanted like I mean it, it wasn't that's I mean it's nice waste, to see here time and people. money it's a waste of time and money if those special area teachers are not bought in, though, sis. I know. Oh, no, it's definitely. But, you know, I don't, I don't want to sit here two years removed from it and make it seem like, oh, it was easy. I just, like, made it. No, no, it, it no, no not at all. I wouldn't, I wouldn't allow for you to do that because I'm yeah. still in it. And I know how hard it is. It's hard as hell. Yeah, it's doing hard. That. But it's the work yeah. that matters, though. It's, it's like some of the most important work that we often don't talk about. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Like folks, you know, folks want to talk about hiring and firing and all this other stuff. We're not, but we're not talking about how to improve things and how to get things better. That's right. right. You know, and I, I feel like, you know, as, as, as leaders, we have to do that. Right. So like, you know, if you have someone that's underperforming, that's underwhelming or whatever, like, what are you doing in order to get them the way they need to be? That's right. It has to be these cycles of, of, of teacher coaching in order to get teachers where they need to be, because not everybody comes to you equipped with the tools to be able to move our kids. That's right. It just don't. And then, you know, a lot of things that we're seeing in in, in the schools now is that these schools, these these students haven't been in school in two years. Right. So you're starting to see behaviors manifest that wouldn't manifest if these kids were acclimated to being in in school. Yeah. Right. And so you're seeing a lot of things that are like, damn, I've never seen this before in my life. And it's partially because you've never seen this before in your life. Like you've never been through a global. Yeah, all the more reason that we have to like continue to be curious and reflective about that so that we don't start, you know, like sure students haven't had two years of of non-interrupted learning, but you know, there's also a lot more that kids are dealing with. And so we gotta and their families are dealing with and teachers are dealing with, right? We often talk about how teachers are the weathermen in their classrooms. And if they are over it because they're worried about whether or not their scratchy throat means they got COVID, then they might not show up in that particular way. So I think, you know, you're right. We, we, but we have to be thoughtful and not just start to blame people. Oh, this is only big, be- this behavior is just because of that. Or this yeah. score is just because of that. We have to be thinking holistically. Oh, so, so we're not even, we're not even going into, we're not even going, we got, we're two weeks away from testing. And so we're not even going in with that mentality. We're going in with the mentality we're trying to win the championship, right? Like we're not even thinking about these 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 previous two years of kids not being in school or whatever, right? Like our kids are still going to outperform the folks that they need to outperform <laughs> because we win in the championship. That's it, right? Yeah. And that's the mentality. And so I had to recently send out an email because, you know, I had gotten some wind about, you know, folks like, oh, well, these kids are low. Yeah, we're gonna bury that, right? We're gonna bury that because, like, if you, if you, as a teacher, you walking around, you talking, you thinking that your kids are low or whatever, then already you are creating a, a, a culture of of, yeah. of low expectations, of low expectations, right? low, low expectations and failure, right? And so we we buried that, we buried that, like that was that was solved immediately. The oh, conversation got better because now it's like they're low, and now what? Great. I'm yeah. Glad you're so, low. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yes. They are low. They've not been in school in two years. Like, what the hell you expect for them to be high? Yeah. Like, of course they're low. But now 
based off the fact that we've acknowledged, based off the fact that you've done that right, that rocket science analogy of of finding out that they're low, what are you going to do now? Sure. Right? Because a lot of that you're low is less about where kids are and more about this like identity thing. And so yes. if I keep telling you that you are a low performer, that mm -hmm. you need an intervention, that I know you're mm -hmm. a struggling reader, he's mm -hmm. always had challenges with math. Her behavior has always been a problem. Then we're like creating this environment. We're creating this this narrative. You this, you you're getting this kid ready for prison? Yeah, easily. Yep. From talking about, <laughs> you know exactly what to do, how to eat, ready for how to prison. jump his tray when he's finished, yes. how to move it through the line. I don't know all those things, but not not on our watch and not on so many other people's watches. Absolutely not. not. It, it ain't gonna happen. Not not no. on not on my night with this no. guy, right? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> y'all can, can sue me. Y'all can talk bad about me. Y'all can uh, Tell, do blame say whatever y'all want to say. Kids your district took. Now they bankrupt because you're yeah. 52 Y'all can say whatever y'all want to say in glass door. Hey, listen. At the end of the day, we trying to win a chip. If you're not trying to win a chip, then we ain't the same. Right? That's just that's just how it is. If we trying to win a chip. I'm trying to, hey, listen, I'm trying to make sure, you know how, like, you you get, like, a football powerhouse, right? Man, let me put the screen on me. I'm going to drop some bars. I'm going to drop some bars, H. <laughs> so, so you know how you, you know how you get a football powerhouse, like a Dunbar in Baltimore? Yeah. Uh, and, and then, like, uh, what, what's what's the school in, P, in PG County? Um, it, it escapes me, but they uh, they McNamara. send a lot of kids. What's it called? Is it McNamara? No, it's not. It's not McNamara. Uh, I got a couple of neos that went to this school too. They're gonna kill me. But anyway, it's a school in, in, in Prince George's County that uh, it's like a football haven, right? And they send kids D one schools or whatever, right? D one schools. So listen, my school is a is is a D one haven too, but academic D one, right? <laughs> and academic D one is different from sports D one. Yeah. Right? So uh, academic, uh, an academic academic Division one player can go to all of these schools that we're talking about, right? These SEC schools, these ACC schools, these Big Ten schools, but instead of going for, for, for athletics, they can go for academics. And they can also still go on full rides and, and enjoy the same things that, uh, that, 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 that the athletes that get Division I scholarships can get, but they're going D1 in academics. That's where we at, H. Yeah. That's where we at. We need more people like you. At the helms of schools, could you imagine if if every leader who was talking to their students or families or teachers about upcoming testing said exactly what you just said? Oh no, we went at chips. We're not looking at low. We're looking at what's working. Oh no, uh, uh we we came to win. Hey, Sorry, I, my, raise my, your hand if you if you are excellent. Oh, okay, great. That's all of us. Yeah, hey, imagine my, my conversation. And this is you know put the screen back on me. This is a conversation that folks should be having with their kids. So as I'm talking to my daughter, who is a a, a third grader, and she's getting ready for uh, her math test or whatever. So she's taking, uh, she's working on worksheets or whatever, right? And so my my daughter's a she's a whiz or whatever and super smart. But like she likes to not show her work, right? And so we had this conversation, and she had to show me some things, right? So like I don't really understand that. So you gotta write this down on paper for me so I can understand. Was my way of having her, yeah, the math, the math is cool. Um, my way of having her show her work, right? And so she showed me her work, and then so now my challenge to her is, well, in order for me to be able to assist you on any assignments you have. You have to show your work in order for us to catch where you may have made a mistake, right? And so she, uh, she, she had her math, uh, her math, um, 
assessment today and she comes running and she's like daddy i did what you said and it was easy right because she was able to now process and eliminate certain answers that oh. were not correct that she wouldn't have known were not correct had she not shown her work and used her mind in order to cancel out certain answers right right so like what you're telling her about is what you're focused on is the process of learning yes not necessarily picking the right answer right exactly and there are some because sometimes you can do the process right pick the wrong answer randomly pick the right answer know the right answer and pick the wrong answer right we have Mm -hmm. to Yes, we want our young people to be successful and to, to, to do well, but we also want them to understand what it means to be thinking about the way they're thinking about a problem. Right. And so if we can have a if we can have a conversation, not only about the answer of that problem, but the thought process that came behind how you derived at that answer. Right. Then we have a good conversation with our kids and we're creating better thinkers in terms of like how they're going to get out in this world and have a better opportunity to succeed. Sure. But that gets me thinking about the coaching, right? Like a lot of what we would do in the math coaching was allow the teachers to work through the problems that they were giving the students. We had to put our teachers in places where they also had to be the learner and articulate exactly what the steps were. Because too often, if they think, oh, here's the only way to get this answer, then when young people like your daughter, like, oh, well, I did it this way. I put this number here and then did that. We have to create those environments where teachers are thinking about the multiple ways that we can show mastery. How many ways can you show you understand this? What was the process that you used? How was it similar to this? Would this same logic apply if the numbers were different, if they were bigger, if we applied it to something else? This is what we think about when we talk about depth of learning and the ways that we should be more. But I don't, I think, you know, for some people, they just don't understand that unless you are an educator, someone who's been thinking about this, looking at it, working in good schools, being self-reflective, having good coaching, great colleagues who are holding you accountable, thinking about integration. A lot of people don't think of it like that. And we have to help folks understand how important that is to what actually happens in school every day. It's great to get good test scores. It's great to get good grades. It also is great to engage in high level thinking, especially critical thinking that allows students to develop what they think they develop a way to display what and how they understand things. I think this might be my favorite show. We're giving folks the game tonight, right? I think this might be my favorite show. Eight out of, out of all the, Taking note. Out of all the nine. Give, hey, giving them the game for free. We done hit on we done hit on uh principals, what they should be doing. We done hit on teachers, what they should be doing. And so now I'm I'm a, I'm a land on parents and what they should be doing. So parents, look, look, here's the deal. A lot of times when you get these report card grades or whatever, like they're a, a misconception of of, of, of things they usually don't align with uh interim assessments they usually don't align with the assessments that your kids are are, are are experiencing in school right and so some of the questions that you need to be asking to the teachers right you need to be asking well, what's my child's reading level and some people may disagree right but like but by you knowing the reading level of your child and you can better support them in terms of the, their interest and in terms of like you know reading along with them to make sure that they understand the things that they need to understand Right. And so just had a, 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 a real interesting conversation with a parent who's like, hey, you know, I haven't heard all year from my from, from my child's teacher or with regards to the struggles that may be existing within my child. And so as I'm on the phone with with with, with this parent, I'm looking at my data book. Right. Like I, I have data informed conversations like I don't want you to think that these conversations are subjective or anything like that. I look at the data. 
right? And so then, if I if I know that we gave in uh, uh, an examination, an examination, right, and then your child scored a a twenty eight percent on the examination, and that's way lower than what other students may have performed in in, in those particular areas uh, of those standards that have been measured, right? Then like I don't give a shit if your kid got a seventy six in the class. Like there's some kind of disconnect there yeah. in terms of like what you may be hearing from or not hearing from the teacher and like what's going on. And so now we have to have realistic conversations about where your child is at. And even if I got to be the bad guy in order to do that, in order to have those types of conversations because teachers aren't doing that, right? Then that's just how it's got to be because at the end of the day, I can't set you up. I can't have you out here thinking that your kid is, you know, that your kid is 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 D one when your kid might have to go to JUCO for yeah. a couple of years, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean it's that, and it also is like we have to to do a better job. You know, so many of our parents, so much of the way school is formed now, while schools haven't changed a lot over the last hundred years, a lot of the things that are the same and in, in ways that we've improved them, we haven't done a good enough job of communicating that to parents and having a common core math night or reading night is not the answer, right? We still have parents and grandparents and communities and, and churches and folks who are looking for kids to say, I got straight A's. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I'm yeah. Not, right. I got all A's and B's. I made the honor roll, right? Like that is yeah. language that is ingrained in us. They're not thinking about which <laughs> percent and which common core standard and yeah. where you are on this assessment in the BOI and the MOI and the EOI. I think yeah. one of the things I also want parents to, to do is to, to ask the teachers and to tell teachers, what are some things you notice about your kid that are working or that are helpful? Yeah, I notice when he reads, he does this and this. Maybe mm-hmm. it can help somebody understand whether or not the young person needs glasses or how they're sitting or what kind of interest they're in. You know, yes, what reading level and what genre does she like to read? Yeah. How many books like this do, do you have? We have to start talking about the experiences that are happening in schools and listen to parents. Like I think too much in parent teacher conferences, we have way too much teachers talking and not enough parents talking. And they should both be talking about what's happening. They should be saying, here's what his writing looks like. How Mm -hmm. does he write at home? What kind of things are working here so that it can be collaborative? And if we don't do that, but you know, we also got to like help some of our families like unpack the things and the ways that they didn't see loved and valued and supported. They hated conferences. It created anxiety for them. They may not have been doing well, or they could have been on the opposite end and always made straight A's. And when they see their child scores not doing that, imply this pressure on them that they're supposed to be doing something different. And so I think we just have to do more with talking to and with families um, instead of talking at them about what their kid is doing. And then holding them accountable for like, yeah, you're not checking homework or you're not doing this. I think we, we got to do better at that. But that takes practice. Hey, listen. So, hey, it's been great. And I could talk about this for the rest of the night. But I got to drop these sneakers off so that I can send them back to StockX. You got some so sneakers? I, yeah, I got to, you know, you know, I'm all about, listen, you know, it's all, everything I, is a hustle. I ordered some sneakers. Next week, if Doc, when Doc is back, yeah, I'm going to put up, we're going to do the sneakers again. Because I got I bet. Bet I got I, I I got some heat I got some heat. Listen, I I'm I'm intentional about this. I want all the okay. people to be like, yes, he got it. Cause I can look at sneakers too. Yeah, I got okay. some yeah absolutely. I got, I got nobody, some nobody. Yo, listen. There's no there's no glass ceiling for sneakers. 
<laughs> I've never been into sneakers, so I'm I'm really impressed with this pair that I have, and I hope yeah. that you like them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. So, folks, hey, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back next week, giving you the game. Peace All out. All right, take care.